0: Today on the show, millennials maybe don't want to own a home anymore and they want to rent and they would rather own a piece of rental properties instead of owning their own home.
1: Not Another Real Estate Investing Podcast. Really happy to have you aboard and especially happy to welcome Antoine Martel onto the show today. Antoine's a really interesting guy. He's a real estate investor. Antoine and his family manage a group, Martel Turnkey. It's a really interesting concept where they allow investors to move quickly and easily into rental property ownership. But we also talk about his podcast, A Millennials Guide to Real Estate Investing. We talk about the very real generational differences in the economy economy. economy and inside the real estate investing community and the ways this new generation needs to be communicated with. Hi Antoine, thanks for making time for us. Absolutely, thanks for having me. Why don't we just start things by introducing yourself? Uh, you're a Canadian by birth, but raised in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Talk to me a little bit about your background.
0: Sure. So uh, I was born in Toronto, Canada. Moved to San Francisco Bay Area in 2000. My dad got a job transfer, which you know helped sponsor us so that we can live in the U.S. and get a work permit. Eventually, got our green card, etc. Now we're citizens after you know being here for 20 years. But uh, my real estate. You know, kind of investing journey started about four years ago. Um, me, my dad, and my brother signed up for like a weekend real estate course. It was about flipping houses, and again, we were in the Bay Area at the time. And. Flipping houses in the Bay Area uh, requires a whole lot of cash. Um, so we started, you know, we kind of built our confidence up with that course and started making offers. Um, quickly realized that we didn't have enough money to play with the the big boys in the Bay Area. So we started networking and reaching out to other people who, you know, kind of had the same amount of cash in the bank as we did, and quickly started uh, investing out of state because that's where we felt that we could um, make the most return on our money with the amount of cash we had available. There's a lot of different uh, ways that people can get into the
1: industry. Um, In some ways, is it right to say you were born into it a little bit with um, your dad having the experience that he did? Can you talk about that and I guess what you learned from your dad um, from
0: being able to draw on his decades of experience? So, he actually is non-real estate. Um, my dad has his own business, but his business is project management. He's a project management consulting. Uh, that's what his company is. He's been doing that for 30 years. Mm. Um, so he, he actually has has been non-real estate and kind of, you know, with that course and, you know, through all the education that we've been going through kind of two years after we started, you know, he was kind of educating himself on on real estate. Um, it's always been something that has been interested, you know, that he's been interested in. Um, and our family has always been, you know, interested in real estate because whenever we would travel, we would go and check out all the properties that were available. But actually investing in real estate didn't happen until, you know, me, my dad and my brother kind of took that course and and started diving into it. But that's, it's really interesting. And the fact that you all got into it at around the same time, what's it
1: been like uh, working with your family so closely, which can be, uh, you know, present some problems every once in a while.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a blessing and a curse. Um, I live in LA and you know, the rest of my family's up in the Bay area. And then the rest of our families in Canada, we're the only four people here, me, my parents and my brother. Um, for, for me, it's great. We all hand, handle our own different things. My brother's a real estate agent in the Bay Area. My dad still runs his own business, so I'm I'm the one who kind of runs the whole real estate investing side of things on a day to day basis. And then when things get really busy, then I call them to to help me with with things that are going on. My dad also helps us helps with the like the taxes and and um, setting up the legal structure of our business as well because he's done it for his own company. You talk a little bit in your podcast, um,
1: which is a millennials' guide to real estate investing with Antoine Martel. Everyone should uh, go download immediately. Uh, I, I'm interested in the, the millennial part of that. Can you talk a little bit more about what you think being a younger player in this industry? What kind of perspective that gives you? That absolutely. might
0: absolutely, absolutely. I mean, that's a terrific question, and because I'm a millennial myself, you know, I graduated college last year, and a lot of my friends are, you know, in their jobs and you know, got jobs right out of college. They've been working there for a year, two years. um, And many of them are already feeling it that, you know, that's not what they want to do for the rest of their lives. They want to, you know, create cash flow. They want to be financially free. They want to invest in certain things. And a lot of people are just taught that stock market is the way to go, you know, invest in a, S&P 500 index fund and, and use that. Right. But I think that real estate investing is something that's not spoken about a whole lot to millennials. It's more for people, you know, it's shared with people who have a whole lot of cash in the bank and, you know, Millennials don't have that kind of money or that kind of liquidity, in my opinion. Especially being right out of college, they're kind of saving their first their first dollars. And where can you invest in real estate with you know fifteen or twenty grand instead of two hundred fifty thousand um, dollars? And there's so many different options available to millennials um, with just that twenty thousand dollars that they can start, you know, on the path to financial freedom um, early on. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's something I think you speak
1: kind of passionately about, especially the kind of, sort of state of finances of millennials. You, you always hear the news articles, uh, news headlines about how this is um, maybe the first generation is going to be poorer than the one previous. You touched on a little bit there about how real estate can be kind of a key component to turning that around, at least on an individual basis. But can you expand on that a little bit
0: more? Sure. Um- I mean investing in in real estate is definitely like for me personally I graduated from college I started right away from investing in rental properties and for cash flow and now I'm financially free the rental properties they have kind of pay for my rent um and I think that even you know my friends who who are millennials as well which is why I, you know relate the podcast to them because I want them to listen to it so that they can you know be up to speed on what I'm doing and how real estate can change their lives and um and how people can, you know, even with a full-time job, they can begin to acquire rental properties out of state and use that cash to then pay for their expenses. And, you know, it all goes back to, um, you know, a change in mindset, you know, our parents, you know, millennials parents were kind of sucked into this American dream of owning a home. And I think that that's really changing right now with the way that millennials are thinking. And, you know, Millennials maybe don't want to own a home anymore and they want to rent and they would rather own a piece of rental property and rent or multiple rental properties instead of owning their own home um, that they're going to live in.
1: So, one aspect of your business is uh, the turnkey real estate investment. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? I think, think it's kind of an innovative strategy that you guys take, basically making it easy, as easy as possible for someone to get into uh, to real estate investing and with through uh, rental properties. I'm just looking at your website now and it talks about how um, people can you know, invest with you guys, have a tenant already in place so that you don't have to go through, I guess, all that rigmarole that many have to when they have... <laughs> Take over a property. Can you talk about
0: setting it up in that manner and how successful it's been thus far? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So we we do about five to ten deals a month, um, all out of state um, in markets like Memphis, Cleveland, Akron, Birmingham. So all in the Midwest. And typically, the the way that I do deals is I'll buy a house with my own cash, renovate it with my own cash, and then put a tenant in place, put the property management company in place. And then at that point in time, I'll put that property up on my website. I'll leave it there for three, four months. If nobody's interested in the property, I'll do a cash out refinance and hold that property for myself. Um, And the way that this really got started was right out of college, I started helping my parents grow their rental property portfolio with that same strategy doing the burst strategy or buy, rehab, rent, refinance, repeat. Um, that's what I started doing for my family right out of college. I had grown a portfolio. And then other friends and family, family friends started reaching out to us. They heard what we were up to, what my parents were up to. And they began to be interested in real estate investing as well. And they wanted their own rental properties. So we started selling properties out of our portfolio to friends and family um, who wanted to get started but didn't know how. And we would sell them these properties that were fully renovated, that we owned already, that were rented out, property management company in place. Um, you know, My goal for those investors was just day one cash flow and not have to worry about any of the major expenses or rehab. So that's really how this whole business started. And then from there, after we had done that a bunch, then we started getting more referrals for other people, friends of friends, um, family friends, family friends. And more people started to come and and learn about us and see what we were doing. So that's when I launched the website, um, martelturnkey.com. And now people can go and see what properties we have available or what properties we're working on. And they buy them with, you know, tenants in place with the rehab done. um, And hopefully, you know, my goal is for them to buy it with, day one cash flow, So they don't have to worry about any of the issues that come about. It
1: sounds like a great product for people that just want to get into it, that maybe don't know a ton about the industry, but it sounds like a ton of work for you. What's the the benefit of doing this rather than just, you know, you're doing your typical flips.
0: Yeah. So I don't do any flips actually. So these are my turnkey business would be considered my flips. Um, And of course I just make money on the spread just like any other flip would be. There's no other revenue stream in that business. Um, And the reason why I do sell them um, is it just helps exponentially grow my own personal portfolio. Um, You know, if I can go and buy a house, rehab it, rent it out, sell it to an investor, and help them, you know, help them grow their cash flow, I get a little bit of cash for doing that, and then I can go and buy more properties. It just helps fuel the fire, right? So I can help more people now because I sold this house, and I can also help grow my own personal portfolio um, by selling those things. You mentioned that you've taken
1: on some of, uh, you know, internet media to try and and grow and, uh, c- communicate with your, your customers using the podcast. Can you talk a little yeah. bit more about that though? But, um, it seems like it's such a challenge right now, where everyone's trying to figure out the best ways to uh, communicate with their customers. Uh, and it seems like there's a lot of mystery out there. What have oh, you, yeah. what have you stumbled
0: upon? Sure. So for me, the biggest thing is adding value upfront. Um, you know, I don't, sorry, I don't sell anything, um, to my clients or on my social media profile. I just add value, add value, add value. Um, and you can go and check me out on Instagram as well. I mean, all of those videos and stuff that I post is just information for people who want to get started. Um, I think that it's a huge leap of faith for a lot of people who want to get into real estate and don't know how, and there's a lot of knowledge that needs to be acquired before people make that first move. And You know, the ways that I've grown my business is just through adding value to people. And I don't really ask for people to come and, you know, buy a house for me. I've never asked one person to do that, but you know, it's, it's the halo effect of building a personal brand or, you know, building a YouTube channel and, and just teaching people how to invest, how to invest, how to invest. Um, and with that halo effect, it can affect. You know, could affect every single aspect of your business. If you wanted to go and, you know, create some sort of personal brand, um, people are eventually going to come to your website, are eventually going to click on that website link, are eventually going to do those things. But now there's not that pressure of you being a salesman and trying to sell them on your product or whatever it may be. Um, so yeah, I mean i I do a whole lot with my podcast, um, just educating people on how I started, um, with the resources that I had, and how I actually did it. And then how I operate and run my business on a day-to-day basis. And then also on my Instagram is a big big one as well, where I just share a whole lot of information about the behind the scenes of deals I'm doing, what the numbers look like, and what people can expect when they look out of state.
1: It's an interesting way of looking at it, rather than trying to just like sell yourself, uh, trying to educate your potential customers to the point that they feel comfortable investing with you. It's a it's a great way of looking at it, and it kind of flips the kind of salesperson sort of thing on its head a little bit, doesn't it? Exactly, exactly,
0: yeah, because. You know, if you're, if you're some, some kid who just graduated college, you have 20, 50 grand in the bank and you're looking at this guy on Instagram sharing you and you're learning from him every single day with the videos he posts, you know, when you want to go and you use that 50 or a hundred thousand dollars, are you going to answer the phone to the guy who's just trying to sell you the whole time? Or are you going to pick up the phone and call the guy who's been teaching you for the last 2 years about how to invest in real mm-hmm. estate. You know, it's about who you know and who you trust and building that trust and rapport is, you know, it's all going to come around in the end. Whether that's with me or whether that's with them just investing in deals down the road and then they call me up to to raise money for one of their huge apartment building, you know, contracts, it it doesn't it doesn't really matter to me. I just want to see people be successful and and know that either I taught them one thing or two things and they're going to come back around to me. Um or just share with me, Hey, thanks for teaching me all these years about, you know, about real estate investing and how you did it. And you really helped, you know, pique my interest and help me do my first deal. And, you know, I'd love to get those DMS.
1: I'm interested. What your customer base is like in terms of age? Because this seems like a technique that would be particularly useful for, as you mentioned, sort of the, the young guy just getting out of college who are maybe a bit more, have uh, a bit more of an aversion to your traditional kind of sales techniques. Um, is that kind of more your customer base of younger people or give me a sense of who that uh, is really working for and working on best?
0: Yeah, yeah. Good point. So yeah, Instagram and podcasts, especially when I'm targeting millennials, I mean, those are most going to be millennials. My actually customer base is a whole lot of, of people who are in their thirties, forties, fifties, who've been working for 30 years and just are fed up with it. And they have a good W2 job and want to invest out of state. So a lot of those clients actually come from other methods. Um, through SEO, through my website, um, through blog posts and stuff like that. That's where actually a lot of my clients do come from. Um, But again, I think that by educating the millennials early on who are getting out of college and maybe saving up for that first property and being there through that process. Um, it may not be garnering me any business right now or anything like that, but you know, in the future, in five, in five years, 10 years, when these people are, you know, have 20 grand or 50 grand in the bank and want to invest, um, you know, I'm hoping that they would, they're, they're going to reach out to me and we can do business together then. Uh, so we've talked a little bit about um, acquiring new
1: customers using uh, new media like, like podcasts. Uh, talk to me about finding deals, how you go about doing that, which is another uh, difficult aspect of the business to try and locate, um, you know, the best possible spreads. Can you talk a little bit about that? How, you, what systems you've put in place to try
0: and, uh, and find the best possible deals? Absolutely. Yeah, It's a great question, especially with right now, the way the market is. I mean, everything's hot, right? So it's been really hard to find deals in the last couple of months, and especially this whole year. Um, But we've still been able to find 40. So um, there's still plenty of deals out there. About 80% of the deals that we have actually come still from the MLS. There's still a ton of deals out there on the MLS that are in the markets that we're investing in. Um, the other 20% honestly comes from wholesalers. Um, I've tried to do my own marketing, you know, being an out-of-state investor. I live in LA, invest all across the country. And I've tried to do my own marketing, direct mail, banner signs, billboards, cold calling, everything you can think of. Um, and none of those has has garnered me you know enough deals to make it worthwhile. So what I've actually started doing over the last month, couple months is reaching out to wholesalers, telling them I'm buying 5-10 deals a month, give me all your leads that you have in this zip code and this zip code and that's actually garnered me a whole lot of business to where I'm buying, you know, a couple of deals a week, you know, from these wholesalers and these guys are happy because they're going to make money, you know, a uh, 5 grand or 10 grand on each house that they're selling me. So they're making good money. They use that money to then go and do more marketing. They're on the ground so they can handle all the things with the people who are selling the properties as well. So that's kind of how I've switched my strategy, especially with the market being so hot where the deals are not not really showing up on the MLS anymore. You kind of have to go off market. And I'm totally fine with paying these wholesalers their fee for doing all the heavy lifting. And they kind of serve deals to me on a platter um, and building a rapport with these guys so that it helps me continue to scale my business. And I don't have to spend the time or energy or thought Of trying to get these deals it kind of just comes to me through these wholesalers. What do you think are the biggest mistakes that
1: uh, investors are making in this uh, kind of modern, more connected age? Not to say that the old ways necessarily are not going to be applicable anymore, but do you see some more um, antiquated ways of operating in this industry that you think uh,
0: need to change? So again, with with the market being so hot, I mean, things do have to change, right? So, um, you know, like we when we first started, we would place a couple of offers a month. Um, but with the market being so hot, um, we've kind of switched our ways and been placing a whole lot of offers. So that can be, you know, something that is kind of shunned against and placing all these lowball offers and um but that's you know, if you want to do deals and you wanna do scale, you gotta place offers and place offers for the price that works for you. Um and it's all a numbers game. So that's something that we've been doing. Um, something else that you know, I find that a lot of investors are doing right now is f- not really take into account where we are in the cycle, um, and they're still flipping a lot of houses. Where you know, we I've kind of. F- Stayed away from flipping houses just because where we are in the cycle. So that's something that I've done personally, I've kind of switched over all to um, rental properties, because even if the market were to crash, um, the property values, yeah, they're going to go down, but my rents are going to stay the same. so I would say that a lot more investors need to kind of be keen on on where we are in the cycle. And you don't want to be having 5, 10 flips in progress in a very high price point, maybe a luxury price point, um, because what's going to happen when the market does crash and you're stuck with all those houses, the house's value is cut in half and, um, and you can't rent those properties out for cash flow. So that's something that we've kind of over the last year really focused on is being a little bit more cash heavy and focusing only on these You know, C or B class rental properties that aren't luxury, where even if the market were to crash tomorrow, um, we would still be fine and we would still have this cash flow um, paying us every month. What's the biggest mistake
1: that you've made in your still pretty early career? And uh, I'm not not asking just to embarrass yourself, but uh, maybe to reveal what you learned from from that mistake. Anything come
0: to mind? So being an out of state investor, you really have to trust the team on the ground, right? They're, they're your backbone. Um, if they suck, you suck. <laughs> so very early on, we, I was kind of trying to grow too fast, which can kill a lot of companies, not only in the real estate space, but tech, um, anywhere. So very early on, I was in Memphis and I was in Cleveland. I had my team set up. They were all built. um, And I felt pretty confident um, that I could do it over and over again. And there just wasn't enough deals in Memphis and Cleveland. And I needed more deals. I wanted more deals. I was being ambitious. Um, I thought that Akron, Ohio, very close to Cleveland, Ohio, has a university there. Uh, The market looks good in terms of, um, you know, population growth, um, and its economy in general. So I was like, okay, we're going to go, let's go invest in Akron, Ohio. It's close to Cleveland as well. So, you know, with, I looked up some property management companies, some realtors, I started making phone calls, did some research, some referrals. And, you know, within two days I had my team quote unquote. Um, and then I just started making offers, uh, on properties. we got a property under contract. And, uh, after we got that property under contract, I, had the contractor go through, got the rehab bid. Everything looked good. We bought the house. Um, shortly after buying the house, we realized that wow, this team really has you know this contractor and this property management company really have no idea what the hell they're doing. Um, I try to be very clear and very upfront with my team when I do set them up on what we're trying to do um, and our whole process and how they'll be compensated, how we'll be compensated, etc. Um, but I don't think anything clicked with with this team that we had set up and. You know, it was a it was a long project. Uh, Let's just say that there was issues with the rehab. There was issues with property management company. Um, The property management company asked for for monies that you know weren't originally requested for. Um, You know, I tried to work with them as best as we could, and we ended up selling that house and making money on it. Um, But we fired that team. Never used them again. Um, So that's probably the biggest punch in the mouth is just, you know, right when you think you're too confident and you know exactly how to set up a team or know how to exactly vet a contract or exactly vet a property management company, um, you're going to get punched in the mouth. And it just shows you that, you know, never get too confident with with your skills or your skill set, And, you know, every team is different. Every market is different. And you got to be very diligent no matter what you're doing. Well, I appreciate you making time for us, Antoine. Before we let you go, uh, anything you want to plug? Sure. So, like you said, thanks for plugging that earlier. My podcast is a millennial's guide to real estate investing. Um, you can also check me out on Instagram. That's where I post a lot of content, a lot of videos. Um, that's Martel Antoine, M-A-R-T-E-L-A-N-T-O-I-N-E. You can hit me up on there. You can DM me. We can chat. I reply to everybody's DM. So feel free to shoot me a message, follow me and uh, we'll be in touch that way. I appreciate you doing this. Thanks. Thanks once again. Yeah. Thanks so much, Danny, for having me and uh, talk to you soon. That's
1: all the time we have for this edition of the podcast. Be sure to rate and comment at Apple Podcasts and we'll see you soon.